Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today we've got Michael Nelson on. He's an author, real estate investor, entrepreneur, ultra marathoner. Um, great, great guys, built a number of companies over the years, had some fantastic wins and losses and shares his story about that. He's the author of Goals That Matter, The Deceptively Simple System to Achieve Every Dream. We talk about his book, why he wrote it, how he wrote it, the process of actually writing the book, getting it out into the world, his his uh, his ambitions and aims for the book. Uh, but this is, this is a really well-rounded podcast. We do talk about real estate investing. We also talk about, like I said, some of his wins and losses. Um, in a number of different businesses over the years, peer groups these are part of. Um, I think you're going to enjoy it if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, or an investor. So let's dig into that. Little housekeeping before we jump in. If you um, want to be on the DJE investor list and see our upcoming investment projects here in Central Texas, and you're not already in our portal and set up there, you can go to djetexas.com and there's a link in the show notes to go uh, schedule a 15 minute call with our team or just register uh, for access and, and we can get you set up so that you can see future projects. Secondly, if you want to invest in apartments, you wanna go run the deal, you wanna go do what we do, we actually show you how. We got a whole system, uh, peer group, team, coaching program, the whole thing designed to get you in and buying your own deals. So our students come in with no experience, we get them to team together. I personally coach them one-on-one -on -one through closing deals. We had a, a group, some students of ours just closed a $12 million deal last month and coming from no experience all the way through to closing that $12 million transaction. So if that's you and you want to go do that, you can go to apartmenteducators.com. we got a free video series there, lots of other content. Get plugged in with that network if you want to go out and run your own deals anywhere in, uh, in the country. We can help you with that. So... Without further ado, let's jump in and talk to Michael. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Devin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Excited to, to get started and dig in. Uh, I know we, we're going to talk about a lot of different avenues today, but let's just kick it off and get started on a little bit of your background. This is primarily a real estate show, so we you know love to learn about what you've done in real estate investing. But um, first of all, who are you? Where are you from? How'd you get started in business as an entrepreneur? So uh, Michael Nelson, obviously, um, live in Sacramento, California, born and raised here. I uh, traveled around a lot, did a couple of uh, stints. I lived in France for a while, okay. lived in Hawaii for a while. Uh, actually in Hawaii, uh, that's where I started my first career, which was becoming a school teacher. I uh, came back to California, became a school teacher, did that, taught language arts and history, thought that was going to be my life. Um, then the dot-com came, uh, websites, built a website. I had a computer lab in the school and was running the computer lab, built a website for the school. And one of my dad's friends said, hey, would you build me a website? And built him a five-page website. And I, we're talking 95, so it was before Netscape even existed. And he wow. was actually one of the cheapest men I'd ever met. And he said, how much? And I said, I don't know, 150 bucks. And he said, yeah, that's not enough. I'm going to give you more. And I thought, hmm, I might be onto something here. So I started my first company, which was a web design firm. Planned on doing that for a couple of years while I kind of built up the business. 
started that in September and intended to, to teach for two more years. By December, I had two employees and dropped a half-time teaching by April. It was just too much and I had to quit outright and go full-time into that business. Uh, rode yeah, that. It, it, life shows you the way, right? It yeah, yeah exactly. So it, how, how did that... Um, how did that business progress and, and what did that turn into for you? So that was a tiger by the tail. It was crazy, crazy time. We went from two to 32 employees oh my within two years. Yeah. Um, did it all through cash flow in the beginning, which it was just insane. It's my first business. I wasn't paying attention to margins. I wasn't, there were so many things I didn't know how to do as an entrepreneur. I was good at sales and we sold a lot, but uh, in 2000, when the whole dot bomb started cropping up, 2001 by 2001, everything was gone, lost everything in my life. Uh, so I got to experience the dot com thrill right up and the uh, dot bomb on the way down. Yeah, that's what an incredible time period, right? I mean, we it's been it's been 20 years now, but uh, that that's a unique time in history, right there for sure. It was, it was, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I learned so much what never to do, what to do in a business again, and what never ever to do again. That's interesting. I was going to ask what your thoughts are with hindsight. And uh, I tell people sometimes, I wish it wasn't this way, but like all the things that have happened in our business that have been good are, came from pain and they all came from pain, right? Yep. You know, we've got to do this because it's literally like the only way out is whatever situation we're in or whatever. So unfortunately that's, uh, <laughs> that's how it works, right? And, you know, sure. So 39, I lost everything. Um, actually, it was a blessing in disguise. Wow. Uh, I got, and, and, and like you said, what we learned through those painful points, uh, lesson number one was managing cash flow, managing margins, and really, really paying attention to the bottom line. Um, right. Also, you know, I, I financed a lot of that growth through debt. And I know with real estate, that's, you know, we all have to look at that as well. How much leverage do we want to have? And obviously we were over leveraged when the dot-com bust came. And that's what, that's what killed us is that we had debt to grow and everything just kind of froze up when that dot bomb hit. What kind of things were, I was, I was not, in, I was in the corporate world at the time or not, I'm not, not in the corporate world, but at the time, what were the kind of things getting thrown around? What was being said at the time on the way up that in hindsight looked like, uh, um, just maybe kind of silly. I talked to a friend of mine that had a company that they spent $10,000 on plants for their office, you know, and in hindsight, they said, well, you know, maybe that was, was not prudent. Um, in terms of like debt and financing, what, what kind of things were happening for your company that um, maybe in retrospect looked unsustainable? So it, funny, because that's when you talked about the crazy thing. Um, I went out to lunch with a potential banker Two hours later, I had a line of credit for 250,000 just with a signature. It was really, it was pretty much like the, not the liar loans. I mean, I wasn't lying about anything, sure. but banks really wanted in that dot-com mania. And it, and it was, it was absolute mania back then. Um, everybody thought it was like the flipping. It was like the lead up to 2008. Everybody thought they could just keep flipping their way up. Um, and the, the immaturity of my, my knowledge as a business owner, I used that more like a term loan than I did a line of credit. And we used it to grow. Line of credit is meant to be short term. 
Uh, I've got one now for my current business. If I tap that for more than 14 days, it makes me insane. Sure. Uh, sure. So it, it was back, yeah, it, it was just, it was like 2000 and what was it? 2004, five, six, it was frothy as hell. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, interesting, you know, we always wanna have the crystal ball and look forward. We have Bitcoin right now which for some craziness, which I kind of like. I, I feel like you guys have it, man. There's going to be people that get fabulously wealthy and people yep. that lose it all. And I, I kind of hope that that's the current uh, boom and bust that we're going to see and that it stays out of the housing market. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, I, I have somebody in one of my groups that has made a killing off of Bitcoin. And I see this and I'm sorry, I don't really want to put my money and something that can go up or down 30% because Elon Musk tweets something. Sure. It just that's it's a little too volatile for me. Yeah, it's definitely volatile. That's <laughs> that's for sure. So interesting times. Well, where along this journey, Michael, did you start getting into real estate investing? So I bought my first house in 2004 of all times um, to do it. I could have waited a week longer to pay just a little bit more than I did. Uh, within, of course, that first week is when the market started turning down. So I was way upside down in my first house, but I was really, really needing to repair my credit from the whole fiasco of the first company. So I bought that house, kept it, stayed in there for a while. I uh, ended up buying my second house. I actually bought my first commercial property for my business that I have now. Uh, again, this was going to, I wanted to have 10, 10 properties for my retirement. Uh, so that was property number two, ended up buying a second house, turned my first house into a rental uh, for my business, outgrew the first one. So we grew, uh, we bought another property. Uh, and so that was the fourth property. They were all cash flowing okay, but not, not enough. And that's, you know, I was a young investor, at, at least in knowledge, and that's just made mistakes. You know, I did 15 year notes instead of 30 years. So I tied up cash. The, the first house was obviously not going to cash flow much, if anything, because I had bought it at the worst time. Uh, and I, I didn't want to kill my credit any worse than it had been for the first issue. Uh, so these, that's how I got, that's how I got into it. Were these houses in your, um, in your market? Were they in another market? How'd that work? Yeah, no, no. Sacramento. I did, I did want to keep it. I, I, because my knowledge base was still pretty weak on that, I didn't want to go too far out. Um, it certainly changed over the last few years now. Um, but, and, and the first ones where I was, you know, I owned them outright and I was managing them, I wanted to keep them close. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense if you're able to do it. Um, so what does your business look like today? So today uh, I run a, I own a technical support firm. We do outsourced IT. I've been doing that for about 17 years. We're up to, uh, we're going to be up to, I think, 22 people uh, in the next week. So that's grown surely, steady, and without debt. And that's really, you know, the, the lessons that I talked about, paying attention to the margins, managing cash flow, those, those are really the keys. And it really started getting really amazing when I joined a group specific to just what uh, just this industry. So I'm in a group, I'm in several masterminds, but this one in particular is 250 companies around the US and Canada that do exactly what I do. Geographically dispersed, 
and we meet every quarter and share absolutely everything. Best thing that ever happened to that company because I've, yeah. got, I've got a board of directors of 10 other companies that do exactly what I do, use the same tool set, does the same things. So we share best practices, knowledge, everything. And you know, I've had a business coach for years as well, but they don't always know the right questions to ask. Right. This group, they know where the bodies are buried because they buried their own. Oh, hey, what about right over here? And it's it's just made us a much, much better company. I love to hear it. You know, obviously IT outsourced IT services is different than a real estate business is different than, you know, what other fill in the blank business, but the principle is the same. The peer group is probably the most important factor for, for someone's success. It certainly has been for mine. Advocate. I, the first thing I did as an entrepreneur was join a group and actually pay some pretty good money at the time seemed a little crazy. Um, and since then, I've just been a huge advocate. I'm, I'm a part of a number of groups, try to be the dumbest guy in the room, try to keep leveling that up. Um, and I just can't speak highly enough about getting in a group uh, of, of folks that are going to level up your, whatever you're doing. It doesn't matter. It's whether it's exercise or, or running a company or whatever the case is. And so I, I love, I love to hear you see, say that as somebody that's been through uh, some cycles and and seeing some things that uh, you're a big advocate of those peer groups. So I, I, I love it. Um, and I, I get a ton of value from several that I'm in today and I couldn't imagine doing it uh, any other way. Yeah. Me neither. And that's, and then eventually I joined GoBundance, which you're also a member of. And sure. that's when everything kind of changed and my views about real estate, how I want to invest and the opportunities that are there. Cause I'm, I'm around this mastermind group of people that just have unbelievable knowledge and it leveled up my game beyond belief. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And we, there's just kind of a human tendency to mimic your peer group, whether it's good or bad, and it doesn't really matter. We just kind of morph into our peer group almost by osmosis. It's the weirdest thing. I still can't really put my finger on it, but uh, you know, you go to this conference or you get with this group of folks and you, you just kind of start going with the crowd. So you got to make real, real careful to, to, to pick a good crowd, right? I guess it goes back to the whatever your mom would tell you when you're a kid is about picking your friends, but it's true as an adult with business peer groups too. I've just been astonished at um, the acceleration I've been able to have for my business and have just seen countless other people go through with that type of intentionally getting in the right group. Um, it just really pushes the fast forward button. So I love it. Well, let's talk a little bit, um, Michael, about the book. I mean, you've got uh, a book recently that you launched, and I'd, I'd love to hear the genesis of that. I'd love to hear about the process of writing, and then, and then of course, the, the launching of it. So it's called Goals That Matter, The Deceptively Simple System to Achieve Every Dream. Uh, the genesis actually came from uh, the first mastermind group I joined outside of that business one, which was Quantum Leap Mastermind with Hal Elrod and John Bergdahl. Sure. I gone. I had actually read The Miracle Morning back in 2016, and prior to that, I had been I had always kind of been really goal driven, uh, goal achieving. That I had always had my goals in front of me, but you know, I'd look at them once a month. I'd look at them once a quarter. Tried to do it with balance so that you know I had had them in different gardens of life. Um, when I read The Miracle Morning, I I committed to doing the the, the daily practice every morning, but I added my goal sheet into that practice so that I looked at my goal sheet every day and it just changed everything. 
it was amazing how much more I got accomplished, how much more organized I was, how much more I, I achieved because I was seeing these goals and I started kind of playing with the system, working with it. Uh, you know, most of the time it's a, a, it's a sheet that's got your main goals and you just look at those. But what I did is I started chunking it down. I, I originally started looking at what matters, came up with my big goals, and then I started chunking it down. So eventually it morphed into, I had my 10-year, three-year, one-year goals, but I also had, I would chunk those down, move them into quarterly, monthly, weekly. So every week I had accountability around moving the steps towards the larger goals. And because I looked at it every single day, they were top of mind. And that's, that's when the goal achieving really took off. So I joined, that was in 2016. I joined the mastermind group in 2017 and it was at my first retreat. I shared my, I actually, John Bergdorf asked, what in your life is looking to end and what's looking to begin? My company was doing really well. I was really happy with it. And, you know, I didn't want that 10, but this, this goals thing had really started to, to have some teeth to it. Friends were asking about it. And then I shared it with people at this retreat. And they said, I want that. I need that. Could you, could you share that with me? So I registered the domain name at that event, kind of started scratching out what it would look like, kind of the process. And my brother was actually planning, out, planning a trip to see me right when I got back from that. Uh, he had read Miracle Morning. He wanted some help on kind of organizing that. He landed picked him up at the airport. I hadn't, I'd been offline for several days. He said, I'm done. My wife of 24 years just asked for a divorce. Wow. He'd been in this horrible, horrible spot. So we spent the next three days designing his perfect life, what he wanted, what mattered, what he wanted to achieve, what he wanted his life to look like in 10 years and just mapped it out, broke it down, chunked it down. And within the first year, the transformation that he made at 57 years of age was beyond comprehension. And that, that really led me, that was kind of the genesis of, I need, I need to get this out there. I had been doing goals that matter live sessions with uh, uh, clients, with people from entrepreneurs organization, friends and family, different groups. And they were also seeing a lot of success, but it was what happened in my brother's life that just really made me want to get it down get it down on paper and share it farther and wider. Right, right. That was the catalyst for you to say that more people need to hear this, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So what was the process of actually writing the book like? I mean, was that um, very arduous, a lot of edits? Did you did you get together with a team? Did it take a long time? I mean, how, how was that whole process? So start to finish, it's uh, been about two and a half years. Um, now, about a year of that was taken out from COVID and some medical things. Um, the original way that I started it, though, was I just mapped out, wrote down, did kind of like a, a, a vivid vision, kind of just a, a brain dump, came up with about 200 words of things that I just wanted to talk about, issues, things, broke that down. Then I started organizing those into groupings. That kind of became the genesis for the different chapters. Uh, then I spent, then I committed to spending 30 minutes every morning outlining the book. And I did that without fail. It was, of course, on my goal sheet. I had accountability around it at every week. It was five outline sessions for 30 minutes. Did that. That went on for probably 60 days and, or about two months. And 
then one morning I'm sitting down to continue outlining and how I wanted to write the intro just came to me. So <laughs> I started writing and I just transitioned from outlining to writing. I had already built that muscle memory of writing 30 minutes every day. So I just continued that. Took about three months to write uh, write the book out the way that I wanted it. I did. I had a couple of editors. So the first one gave it to her, uh, was expecting not a huge amount of changes. And that was my first big surprise. Right. So, yeah, that was. She came back with 24 pages of comments. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, it was all... I don't want to say a complete rewrite, but it was a huge, huge shift uh, in tone, approach, kind of how to do this. And I had a couple of good friends that are both authors that really spent time going over it as well. They they gave their feedback once I did that. Um, and it just it became a much better book because of that. Kind of did the whole rewrites of her edits and then went out to another um, editor for the final uh, copywriting, getting, you know, getting it clean, cleaned up. Uh, that was in the fall. That No, actually, that was about a little over a year ago. And my intention was to release it in April of last year. Middle of a COVID world crisis did not seem like the best time to do a launch. Sure. So, so uh, I decided to delay, to delay that for a while. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Look, we can we can write and read, and you think, well, we're just going to write, and then you get twenty four pages of of notes and corrections. Uh, was that pretty humbling, or did you oh. expect yeah. some feedback like that? I, I expected some feedback. Now that was that was humbling as can be. Yeah, right. yeah, but it it made the book so much better. Right. Yeah, because you know, with book, you know, you can write a second book, but you know, this is my first book. I really wanted it to be successful, and I really want it to resonate. It's easy to set goals; achieving them is where it gets interesting. And the people that have gone through this, it changes how they achieve their goals. So I really, really wanted to make sure that I got this book out well done, well, well written, that it would resonate. And it would start to, to create a movement. Right. Do you feel it's such an interesting thing, creating thing, art or, or you know, literature, whatever the case is, writing a book. Are, are you happy with it or do you beat yourself up about it all the time? No, I, I allow myself grace. Um, it's yeah. one of the things part part. One of the things is uh, the, the, it drills down into one sheet. Basically, uh, it goes through a process, but you end up with one sheet. On there are also affirmations, and then and then your goals. Um, one of the one of the affirmations for some time was I'm launching the book with grace, um, grace mm -hmm. and ease, and just being kind to myself. Right. It's really the system. Is the book perfect? No. I think the system is solid, Love and it. it's made huge differences in my life, and it's made a huge difference for the people that have gone through the system. It's, it's just helped them achieve more. So even if the book isn't perfect, I think the ideas are really solid. And I think it's a system that can help a lot of people. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I, you know, there's this focus on systems um, instead of goals that, that I really embraced a number of years back. And um, while you're going through your journey to achieve a goal, if you're just focused on the goal, you're, you're failing the whole time until you achieve yep. a goal. You put the systems in play, you can improve systems every single day and win every single day. And um, 
and I, and I love it. And I'm, I'm sure the book conveys that um, even if as the creator, of course, you're, you're always going to be doubting yourself, which is good, right? It means you care. It means you, you're yeah. always wanting it to be better. I think if an author said that they created a masterpiece, I'd be a little skeptical about yeah. that, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, that's great. Well, congratulations. When did the book launch? Uh, June 15th. Okay. Outstanding. So um, good stuff. In the future for you, what do you, what do you see as an outcome? Is it, do you, do you want to do more speaking? Do you want to write more books? Like that's a, that's a big, um, that's a big milestone to cross being a published author, right? So um, do you have a sense of where you want that to go for you? Or is it more, I've got to get this concept out, share this with more people and, and let's see where it goes. So I definitely have ideas. Um, yeah, getting on some stages, talking to people would be awesome. Doing some coaching. Um, I, again, I want to create this movement. I want to have, I've got some people ready to do coaching for people that may need it. Um, I'll do some coaching myself as well. I don't know if you read, uh, you probably have uh, The One Thing, sure. Gary Keller. Uh, he actually has created a great movement around that, but it's being run by somebody else. At my age, I've got an, you know, my primary business, TLC Tech, is doing extraordinarily well. And I really love that business. I don't want to create a second huge job for myself. Right. This movement, I want to get that movement out there, but likely I will pull somebody in to help run it and really get it, take it up to that next level. Yep. Makes sense. And that creates a lot of opportunity for somebody younger that can step in and do that. Um, Absolutely. So. And, and the reason I started investing in real estate was to create time and money freedom. So right. I don't want at my age, I don't want to create another job that's going to, you know, require, you know, Monday through Friday, locking me down to time that way. Yep. Yeah. Real estate can have a, an interesting way of uh, creating some of that freedom. Um, well, we'll link to, to, to where to get the book in the show notes for sure. Let's talk a little bit about the real, you know, some back to your real estate journey and creating some of that freedom. What is it that you're looking at today with kind of the focus on creating some time freedom? Um, what avenues have you pursued in real estate investing that have, that have furthered that aim for you? So I'm going to go back to why join the abundance. And one of the, one of the things that really resonated with me was their belief in becoming a hundred percenter that 100% of your monthly nut is covered by passive income. And I had always seen real estate as a way to fund my retirement, right. not to fund my life. And that was really, you know, you know, you talk about learning from these peer groups. That was a huge shift that it wasn't about waiting. I could build that freedom now. And so that's, that's what I started doing was looking at how can I use profits and money now to generate that time freedom. So what I started doing, uh, quite honestly, so the, the first rental house that I had, uh, my company was going through this really great growth period. Things were just booming. It was taking a lot of my time and my renter gave notice. And this was the one that I had bought at in 2004. So it wasn't, it was barely cash flow positive. And I had been in GoBundance long enough that I thought, I, I don't want to deal with this. This is bad. This is a bad use of my time and money. And I had finally had some equity in it by then. So I sold that and turned around and put it into a syndicated investment. And that's where, and so now there's cash flow coming out of that every month. 
Uh, fast forward, I've sold the other properties. Now I'm actually down to only my primary residence. And I've been taking all of that money and moving it into syndicated deals. Yeah, it's kind of a special transition for the real estate investor when you start selling your rentals. It's one thing to get into rentals. I think I think a rental, like one rental house is a great real estate investment. Everybody should have one if they don't. Uh, but then you kind of cycle, then you go to 10 and you kind of cycle through it. And then there's this period on the other side where you get out of it. And that's, uh, that could be, that could be a good thing too. I've still got 12 single family rentals. I have them because somebody else runs them, but uh, otherwise I'd, I would have sold them all because um, I've kind of gone through and, and cycled and cycled out of that. Um, that's interesting. So uh, Dan Sullivan of uh, founded strategic coach, really great yeah. group. He, he said something once that really struck me and he said, wisdom is fatigue. And I, I that just really sticks with me. And, you know, once you get fatigued with these rental houses, you kind of have the wisdom to say, uh, what else is, what else is there that maybe I don't have to do the work can leverage yeah, other so time. toilets, lights. I, that's just not something I want to spend my time doing anymore. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good outlook. So launch the book in 2021, um, you know, get the message out, build the, the movement there, continue to run your company. I mean, no changes on the horizon for your, for your primary IT company. I mean, it sounds like that thing is humming along and you enjoy doing it. It is humming along and, and I love the company. Um, I'm the visionary. I've got a, a operations manager who is just absolutely phenomenal. I've been, you know, and this was one of the, the things that I learned in my life. I'm really good with vision, the writing, the SOPs, implementing the vision. I need somebody else to do that for me. And I discovered, I found somebody and he's just incredible at doing it. So he's beginning to run more of the day-to-day. -day. Uh, one of the things, I read a great book about four and a half years ago called Making Money is Killing Your Business. Mm -hmm. And it talks about the various stages that you go through. And stage five is, stage four is you're still doing everything. You start building your management team. Stage five, you're starting to hand things off. Stage six is you're still doing things you want, but you've handed off everything that you don't want. And a stage seven is you come back from a three-month sabbatical, walk in the business. One of the newer employees says, who's that? And the guy leans over and says, I think that's the owner. Uh, and so we built, we decided as a company to build towards that goal. And so on April 12th of 2023, I take my three month sabbatical. Wow, so, and we've been building towards that. That's fantastic. What a, what a journey and congratulations. I just, from one entrepreneur, entrepreneur to another, that is quite the accomplishment. So hats off on that. Thanks. Uh, where are you going? All over the place? Are you staying put? I'm going to start off uh, start off at my best friend's house in France, and I'm just going to get on around the world, and I'm just going to jump where I'm going to go with absolutely no plans. I'm just going to go on a three-month walkabout. I absolutely love it. Man, I'm, I am excited for you. I can't wait to hear what, <laughs> where your adventures take you there. Um, this has been this has been great. Michael, thank you for sharing your story, and, and obviously we covered a lot of different facets here of entrepreneurship and investing, et cetera. Um, what's the best place if somebody listening wants to reach out and connect with you, learn about the book, uh, you know, et cetera? What's a good avenue for that? So the website is www.goalsthatmatter.com. Book's available on Amazon. Just search for Goals That Matter. Outstanding. We'll link to that in the show notes. 
and um, go out and check it out, folks. Michael, thank you so much for joining. I, I really enjoyed catching up with you. Devin, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you found that educational, entertaining, inspiring, all of the above. If you are interested in seeing future DJE investment projects and you are not already on our list and in our portal, uh, you can go to the website, djetexas.com. There's a little button there to schedule a 15-minute call with our team, answer any questions you have, and make sure you get on that list to see that next project that comes out. Also, if you're interested in being uh, an investor that runs these deals, we've got a free seven-module course for you at apartmenteducators.com. Uh, a lot of great free content there to ramp up your education in the multifamily investing space. Once again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We always appreciate a five-star review. That helps the reach of the show. That's one way you can give back if you enjoyed it, and we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.